Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 89, where we're going to talk about the Maker Curse. What's going on, Richard? Not much. Martina decided to leave us for today. Yeah, I know. She's, what would you say, slacking? I always call it slacking. Slacktacular? She's got stuff to do. That's just more important than this. <laughs> She's got to make money. Exactly. So how are you doing? Good. You know, doing my thing, hanging in there. You? Oh, you know, overwhelmed, stressed, whatever else you want to add to the list. <laughs> so, situation normal. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Work all day, come home, yeah. work yeah. all night, take care of kids, everything yeah. else. <laughs> it's self-inflicted, for sure. Yeah, the kids especially. Well, I love my kids. The uh, working on the side hustle when as soon as I get home is definitely self-inflicted. I could just come home and be lazy and watch TV like normal nine to five adults, I guess. Well, that's the ones that don't have a side hustle, though. Correct. Yeah, a side hustle that they actually want to do something with. Yeah. Well, some of them don't. I mean, I, I like uh, I do stuff not necessarily to make money, right? I mean, I just like to do stuff. So is that a side hustle or a hobby? But I have the possibility of making money with it if I choose to. But so I don't know. Is don't it currently know. a side hustle or is it currently a hobby? It's a side hobby. There you with go. a little okay. bit of hustle. I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You hustle when you get paid to design stuff. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're muted. By but the I, way. I guess I'm not. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not. <laughs> um, uh, preemptively trying to turn a profit. If I do turn one, then that's good. But uh, yeah. Well, that's understandable. How's the mirror design going? Oh, that thing is... So, you know, I uh, I showed you I'm in the middle of doing the assembly uh, drawings for it. Oh, that's... Okay, yeah. so I saw the yeah. picture. I assumed it was assembly related, but... Yeah, so I'm trying to do a, like a Ikea take on it, you know, just flat a pack. simplified... Well, flat pack and just simplified um, instruction kind of thing. Um, but I do have everything, at least everything labeled, so I know what's what, and everyone else will know what's what. And then now just going through the assembly, even though I've not built it yet, so there's room for error in that, which will be interesting. 
You'll have to show me what your um, assembly instructions look like. Because I have to make ones for something else, and I'm interested to see what your IKEA take on it is. Because my assembly yeah, drawings currently so. are engineering style assembly drawings on, you know, CAD. So it's a blown up picture with bubbles pointing to each part and then a table showing you which part is what. Yeah, that's basically what it is. But uh, uh, I just use the bubbles and that just shows the part. I mean, I don't necessarily have a table because not uh, so each part is labeled, but it's not named. So it's not like, oh, uh, you know, part A is the uh, lower left quadrant, uh, upper, you know, oh, yeah. support or whatever it is. That'd be a little more difficult with your design because yeah. it's all the same. So one piece, because of its size, breaks down to four or five because it's just that big. Yeah, mine's more yeah. like... Mine actually does have a name. Like, the base of it is, you know, the base and then bottom panel, base, back panel, base, front panel. Naming like that. So you can't really mess up the naming, but I have little yeah. circle pieces that have a hole in them. And there's two pieces that look almost identical, but one is an eighth of an inch bigger than the other. Right. And so those, if I make this a kit, I got to figure out, do I, I don't want to print the instructions. Yeah. So including the, I kind of want to make it digital so that if anything comes up and I have to change something, everybody has access to the latest and yeah. I don't want to kill a bunch of trees. Yeah. So the thought was to maybe put a one-to-one -one scale of each part in a parts drawing. And then on there, you can, you can hold it up and see which one it is. I don't right. know if that works with a computer though. <laughs> Uh, that'd be, uh, I mean, I guess you could do it, but there's a lot of factors that would have to go involved. Like you would have to calibrate your screen to the size yeah. of what you're doing. I may just have to say this part and this part, you know, maybe part A and B, part B is slightly larger than A. So if they're holding them next to each other, they can figure out which ones are which. And I'm assuming there's just a, like a square in the middle of it. Is that what it so is? A part slides through it. Right. So there's, there's a square cut out in the middle. Right. And there's no way you can make that triangle or star to differentiate. To, I can't you know, because to... the same part slides through right. both. Yeah. That's what makes it difficult. Yeah. Now, are you like engraving like, um, like uh, part number or assembly numbered on it or anything? No, I don't want to engrave it on the part because the uh, if people aren't paying attention when they glue them down, the part mm -hmm. number will show. Right. And I don't want that. Well, and then, how hard is it to like just do a light engraving on it? 
I mean, you could do it, but they'd have to sand it off. Yeah. But people won't do that. People are lazy. I'm lazy. I wouldn't do it if I bought a kit. <laughs> I've I've debated trying to I gotta figure out how to package it. And I think in the packaging is where I can solve that problem. I just don't know how to package it yet. I'm not I'm not a uh, design for packaging person right oh what if so like you have all the round ones right if you uh, i don't know how you have your layout set up but if you have them all put together um like in one spot and then you just don't so make it like where you can just tear it off basically like if you don't um engrave all the way through just leave a little tab and then just cut out a square and then you have all the round ones inside of that I don't know. I've, see, I've debated if I want to, because the material is quarter of an inch thick. Mm-hmm. So leaving a tab, unless the person has their own kind of tools to cut it free, that's a pretty thick tab. Yeah, but you could set it, like you it, you could do two cuts on those critical items though, right? To where you can reduce the power and not go all the way through? To a point. But when they break it free from the kit, there's still going to be something left over. Yeah. Or if you just uh, like had a backing on, like just put a piece of masking tape on the back to hold them all together. Yeah. And then you could engrave just on your little holding um, template of what they are. I've. The other issue is if I try to cut it to where things are in layers. That's just like layers of wood. For one, it'll add to shipping because it's going to be heavier. Yeah. But the the pieces are like awkward sizes. Uh-huh. So they're designed to fit on a 12 by 24 inch laser. The base panels are 13 inches wide. So the ship, like a flat rate shipping box to try and reduce shipping costs based because you can just throw whatever weight you want in there. Yeah, the the boxes are different sizes, so it's kind of like okay, do I do I cut it per the twelve by twenty four inch sheet? the The other thing is you waste a lot of material if you put identifiers on the part or on the scraps. Yeah, because you're taking up space where a part can go. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what I want to do yet. I've debated having like a a foam insert or something where you stack the parts in and it's cut like those what do you call them? The what's that popular foam oh, like insert a, company? Um Kaizen or yeah, yeah, like the Kaizen foam. Yeah. Where people cut it out to the shape of their tool. That kind of stuff. Wow. So make it way more work for yourself. I haven't decided what I'm doing yet. Yeah. Just tape them all together and be good to go. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about it in the after show and brainstorm some ideas. <laughs> but anyway. I also made a uh, matching pencil box design. So I cut that last night. I got to figure out. 
I got to try to put it together and make sure it works. Right. You never know with rotating pieces and locking mechanisms if it's going to work right the first time. Yep. Especially when you glue it all together. Yep. So how do you like keep it not from gluing itself to itself? I mean, is it just like the smallest amount of glue? How do you keep the what? Like your rotating assemblies, like you're gluing in them like these basically wood bearings together, right? Mm-hmm. That are sandwiched. So how do you not get glue on some of that? So I, the where the glue does go, I put a small amount of wood glue and a drop of CA glue on it. So when I put them together, the CA glue will bond it fairly instantly, and then it'll let the wood glue cure overnight yeah. to be stronger. And if I do it light enough, because wood glue, you really don't need a thick no, layer no. for it to really work. No. But that that it comes into the practice of actually a going by manufacturer recommendations and doing a very, very thin layer. What is factory recommendations? I know, right? I never heard of that. So it's... It worked on the first one, but I yeah. redesigned that box because the handle... If you're picking it up when it's empty, it's fine. If you fully load it with markers and two sketch pads and whatever else, and you go to pick it up, it still works but you can feel that it's kind of straining a little bit. Yep. So I made the handle, I doubled up the handle so it's twice as thick. Yep. Which made me have to redesign the joint that it connected to. So I redesigned the joint it connected to. And when I did that, then it made that part bigger. Right. Which then made the next part bigger. And then how it connected to the box, I didn't change. It's still basically like a half-inch tall thing that slides through, and there's a pin in the back that holds it into right. place. Right. But I doubled up the thickness of what's holding it in. So instead of one piece, it's or two pieces, one on each side, it's four, two on right. each side. Right. Did I, did I send you that picture? I thought I did. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I got the handle part. Yeah, that's that was the redesign. Yeah, okay. So, I'm working on that. And that's... I'm trying to focus specifically on that project. And making it... Uh, more... I guess, actually ready for release. Right. Instead of just like a prototype release. Right. So... Once I get it to the point where I'm happy with it, make it available and actually try to push it as a uh, kit people can buy and do with their kids. Right. But it's been a struggle to focus only on that project. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not a stranger to that, especially uh, um, I know I have several things going on that are unfinished. That'll probably never get finished, but I still think about them. And uh, uh, yeah, I have like uh, 3D scenes, <clears throat> 3D scenes, and then I have like a bunch of designs going on. And like, it's real fr- frustrating, yet 
it's just how I operate. You know, Here's how I operate. Right. I have yeah. my so I I got a notebook specifically to write down ideas when they come. And this this is my attempt to be more focused on one thing at a time. I get the idea, I write it down, and then I go back to the one I was working on. It's what I'm trying to do. So right. I don't forget about it. I don't rely on remembering, because I can't remember anything. Forget it. Yeah. So I have, like, I even have, like, different pages. Like, this one's website, things I want to change. Mm-hmm. Then I have one for uh, something I want to write. Then I have uh, product ideas. Yeah, but have you started? Have... have you started a lot of that stuff, though? Some of it, yes. Yeah, because that's where I get is I'll start it. I'll, I, I can I generate ideas all day long, and I'll start one. And then I was like, oh, I'll take a break and go to this one. And then I'll take a break from that one and start another one. And it's just this whole pattern. Oh, yeah, pattern. okay, so that's where I started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, it was maybe, oh, it's been like, granted, this has been ongoing for years. This isn't something that just started happening. Oh, yeah. It's, it wasn't until the past week or so that I was... I was sitting there, I, I was talking to you and Ethan and Martina differently, like different conversations. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing that I was telling you guys I was working on three different things. <laughs> and I was like, I can't, no, how, how am I going to do that? How am I ever going to finish one? Because I can't, I work a little bit on every one, but I never finish any one of them. Right. And that's, that's not going to get me anywhere. Yeah. So the, which, you know, the bigger one that I'm trying to work on now. Yeah. And then there's the one, I, the other idea I'm, I'm trying not to say what they are cause I don't want to be <laughs> held accountable to getting them done right away. But uh, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think I don't, to me, like I throw everything out there like, Hey, I, I'm thinking about doing this or I'm going to work on that. I don't yeah, know if that's good or bad. Do. I know, but I don't know if that's good or bad, though. But I, you know, well, I made that course for laser. Yeah. And the only way I got that done was because all I did that entire month, or not month, I guess it was like two weeks that it took to make the actual footage. Mm -hmm. All I did for that two weeks was do that. So I'd come home, I'd plan out the video, I'd, I actually went through and I planned out all the videos ahead of time planned out the projects for each video. Then I filmed all the videos. And what I was doing is I was filming like one or two. And then the next night I'd edit the one or two. Yep. Then I'd go back and work on the next two and then edit those. and Keep going and going and going until it was done. We'll see if that actually pays off much. Um, well, right. Because Skillshare. Yeah, and you have a bunch of time invested into this, right? I mean, yeah. it's a lot of man hours. The good part is it's already made, and I could, if if I got better at marketing, I could market 
that it's there and it's out there and you can go to it. Mm-hmm. So the my thought process is first I got to get the thing done to be able to even market it at all. Right. And I've been watching, I, I told or I read that book about online courses and stuff. Yeah. And the guy's suggestion was, you know, make the course based on a webinar and basically pre-selling a course before you made it. Correct. And I've talked to another course maker that was like, that's all well and good, but life comes up. Right. And you don't want to have to, you know, you promised you were going to do something. What if life hits the fan and then what do you do? And that got me rethinking like, yeah, you're right. Like, so the thought is maybe, you know, you still do the same process. Like you still host the webinar. You still give a discount on the course or whatever. But at the end, you can say it's available now instead of coming in a month. Right. Which, honestly, is probably a better selling point anyway, that it's available right away. Right. Well, I mean, I understand. But you, but you put understand. a bunch of time up front that you're right. hoping makes money. Right. I mean, there's... I understand both ways of it, right? Is you have the one, you put all the time and work into it and see what comes up. And the other one is you kind of um, preload the front end to see if it's even worth doing in the beginning. Correct. Yeah. And it's hard to tell if it's worth doing ahead of time. Correct. Without doing some kind of live. Right. Well, basically what you're doing is like an A-B testing, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. Like, you can put polls out there and ask questions and see interest, but what people say they want and then what people actually, like, come back for. Yeah. Like, so, you you know, you ask 10 people if they'd be interested, all 10 say yes. You release that product, one of them buys it. Right. And it's, even if it's free, like, one of them will download it. I'm like, I don't understand this. Yeah. It's, it makes no sense. Yeah. So I thought this one. The, I don't know. Do I want to be held accountable for the other idea? Because <laughs> uh, that one's. It's not a small amount of work from a picture graphic design standpoint. Right. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about it in the after show. And there's less people listening to that, I think. Yeah, but uh, I mean slightly less. And then maybe you know, we could talk about it on the main podcast next time. Yeah, I got I got a. The problem is I want to get further on it before I say I'm doing it because I want to make sure it's actually gonna make it to the end goal. Right. Which there's no reason it shouldn't. It's more of a how complicated are the last few steps. Right. But yeah, this whole book, and then if I flip the book to the other side, because this this is the other thing I do. Your, like, uh, your idea book? One side is like, I write the ideas from this side going through the book, and then the other side of the book is uh, like the course outline I'm working on. Yeah. Because I don't want to bury it. So it's like 
this side's for courses and this side's for product or product or random ideas. Right. And then I kind of, I try to keep it with me at work too. And then if an idea comes up, cause sometimes ideas come up randomly, like mm-hmm. you can't predict when you're going to have an idea. So I keep it on my desk, and then if an idea comes up, I open the book, I write it down, I close it, and then I go back to what I was doing. Well, see, that's why I have a notepad on my iPhone that that's what I use. I, I do have that. Mm-hmm. I found that when I go back through my notes, I forget that I put one in there for ideas. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I t- I I tend to remember stuff I physically write down better than stuff I type down. Yeah. So. But the the issue I've been or the issue I've had, which is the same issue you have, is we're dug from up, where we see the squirrel and we chase the squirrel, and then we see yeah. another squirrel and we chase that squirrel, yeah. and we never finish chasing the first one <laughs> well i'm i do a lot better with deadlines so especially if, if there's yeah. client work involved so do i it uh, i mean i'm hyper focused oh right? my client work is done yeah but it's just when it's i guess personal projects or something that that's not a hot topic it just kind of falls away right last night i actually did pretty good Last night I came home, my wife was still at her sister's, so I came home, got on the computer, and I took the new uh, pencil box design, and I laid that all out. I took all the pieces and laid them out for the laser, and tried to figure out how to combine them and nest them to reduce machining time and uh, footprint and everything else. So if I if I didn't and I tried to label them and everything else, it would take about a sheet of material that's twelve by twenty four. Yeah. If I take out all the labels and I focus on nesting them and everything else, it takes half a sheet. So I can make two full boxes out of one sheet of material instead of one. Yeah. But then I'm presented with the how do I label the parts in packaging? So it's you know, it's that kind of stuff that you have to balance. Oh, yeah, I know. But if you're designing the file for other people to make, they want it to take up the least amount of material as possible. Right. So it's... Last night I laid that out. ended up cutting two of them. Laid out the larger box redesign. On I actually laid it out for 12 by 24 and I laid it out for 24 by 36 Mm-hmm. And then I went ahead and cut one of those so that I can test it. So now I have three kits sitting in my garage that I need to sand down all the pieces and then try to put them together. But I'm not filming any of it, so it went faster. Yeah, well, that's another layer, right? I. So that's the other thing. Like I, I like doing the YouTube videos, but if I... I know that if I try to do a YouTube video this weekend for next week, I'm going to get distracted and I'm not going to finish what I'm trying to do. And it's that balance. And 
the other thing is sometimes YouTube is as unpredictable as Instagram where I spend two months designing something and figuring it out and making the project and I get 300 views. Somebody else takes scrap wood out of their garage in one day, makes some random planner with no plans whatsoever, takes them three hours of total work and they get 50,000 views. It makes no sense. Yeah, but I don't, you can't really focus on that because you know that happens. I know. It's just so, it's Uh, discouraging, which is why you're like, why did I put in all that work when this person barely put in any work? Right. When you can't, you just can't think of it like that. Or, I mean, I know it makes you, (laughs) I totally agree with you, but it's hard not to. Yeah. I, I, I understand that, but yeah. So it's, it's like anything else. It takes, it's going to take one video to really blow up mm-hmm. to start gaining traction. And I just haven't had that happen yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some cases that nothing realistic here is that we may never blow up. Right. I mean, it could Correct. be just study, steady views, just steady along the way. It just yep. depends on what that goal is. If your goal is for one video to go viral. Which is not my goal. Right. So that's why you have to like look at it at a whole, right? I mean, you're, you're building something from the ground up. Yeah. It, it just takes time. It, especially Correct. in today's environment where it's, it's so much super saturated, super yeah. saturated, right? Well, and the other thing is, which I set myself up in a way that I expected it to happen this way. But it's, it's still, there's always the times like you kind of get down that, yeah, you know, of course. my video didn't do that well. But the fact that I am making laser based projects is a niche. Correct. So unless you make something super cool and get it in the hands of the right person, yeah. the chances of you having that one hit video that blows you up is very, very limited. Yep. If not impossible. So I kind of knew that going in that it's a very niche market and people that are going to be watching my videos are people that want to be doing laser work or just find it interesting. Right. The videos that seem to be blowing up are like DIY, make this with a saw and a drill. Right. It's not the kind of content I want to make. Right. So it's expected that I'm not going to get as many views as that because it's not a DIY project. You have to have a machine. Although I did, I did think of a video that I want to, like a short one that's more for like Instagram or whatever Mm -hmm. that I think I want to run the idea by you and see what you think. But, uh, I thought of it the other day and I thought it would be funny. (laughs) So yeah, we're just not going to talk about it then. Huh? We're not going to talk about it? Well, I mean... I, <laughs> I mean, I will podcast, say that everyone's like, oh, I wonder what it is. And you're like, yeah, I'm not I will say it. that it's related. Okay, so the idea behind the video is a take on what people think um, laser cutters do. Right. Or the thought behind what goes into making a laser-based project. Yeah. Can you cook bacon on it? 
Well, that well, that's not where I'm going with it, but uh, uh, so there is a viral video right there. Cook some bacon. I'm, oh hell no. <laughs> uh, oh, well, okay. I'll tell you in a minute for the other part. The but the the thought of the video was basically being like how people think lasers work, mm-hmm. and then you know have have it be a step by step process where you say. Buy the material, open the machine, throw it in, turn it on, hit go, out pops the finished product. Like, no design, Mm -hmm. no optimizing, no assembly. It just, you put it in as a sheet of material and it pops out as a finished product. Sounds good. Because that seems to be what everybody thinks happens. Perfect. I like it. So that's the idea behind the video. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh... You know, like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Because I don't know how many people I get as clients or potential clients that say, I want a custom sign. Okay. Here's my logo that's four colors. It's going to take an hour on my machine to cut, which is a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's two feet in diameter. And I want you to ship it to florida from nevada (laughs) right i'm like okay well that would be you know as an example say it's 300 bucks yeah and they're like oh i thought it'd be like 50 right it's like it's 70 just to ship it (laughs) it's like by the time you get a box that big and how much it ends up weighing and by the time you pad it and everything else the size of your box is you know two foot by two foot by five inches tall with bubble wrap and foam and whatever else to make sure it doesn't break. Right. It's like, and you think it's going to cost 50 bucks total? No. <laughs> well, I mean, people just don't know what they don't know, right? So Correct. They they expect what's well, today's environment, Amazon and Walmart pricing for customized work. Right. Yeah. And Etsy isn't helping that because you have Etsy sellers undercutting each other to get the sale, there's no way some of these people are making any profit. Right. Well, also there's a lot of uh, foreign, uh, yeah, entities on there too that can the labor. That's where they cheap. messed up. Yeah, it's super cheap for for labor, so they're able to undercut some of that stuff. That's. I think that's where they messed up with Etsy, because it used to be only people that oh, made yeah. handmade goods, and now yeah. it's anybody. Right now they have stuff from like wish.com on there. Yeah, just selling it. So it's they to me they diluted the platform. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, as long as they're getting the the revenue out of it, they don't. Uh, they don't care. They don't seem to care much. Yeah. Well, and then they push people to have free shipping. Yeah. And they charge you a penalty if you don't. Yeah. I I quit selling on Etsy. I still have the shop there, but it's vacation mode. Right. Oh, but the other thing I was going to tell you is I found a video where somebody decided it was a bright idea to try and tattoo themselves with a laser. Yes. When is that video going to come out? Uh, never for me. <laughs> I'm not that dumb. I can only imagine the health concerns you're going to have later in life if you do that. Yeah. But, and it was like Pac-Man. Where they had Pac-Man and then a ghost and then the dots in between. Right. I wouldn't do it. 
I mean, it's still, it depends on how deep you go, right? I mean, it's no different than a tattoo. It looked like garbage. Because <laughs> you have to remember that a laser is well, darkening the texture of whatever you're engraving. Yeah, it doesn't plus, just make it black. Yeah, and the focusing too, right? I mean, yeah. try doing a round object. You got to think that that hurt a lot too. Oh yeah, I'm sure it did. But the fact that... So you're basically burning your skin. You're giving yeah. yourself a sunburn. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. So you're... When you're doing that, you're not getting like a super high contrast color like wood does. Yeah. You're well, it's getting... Like a, it's like a branding. Like, yeah. You're yeah. getting like redder. It's going to end up scarring and it's going to look, like right. you said, like a brand. And it's going to look like garbage. Yeah. Whatever, people. Well, that's why you have to get the color laser. Oh, yeah. That'll solve yeah. all your problems. I have different colors, right? You have a green <laughs> yeah, laser, sure. a red laser, and a blue laser. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, you know, but, you know, it. I'm trying to... Focus more on laser-specific content. Yeah. Because I think that that's really where I would stand out. I'm not going to stand out as a woodworker. Well, do you watch some of the other laser uh, YouTubers? I haven't seen a ton that are... Well, that's odd because I see several just because, like, I think I've watched your video, so in my feed... Well, that might be why things will pop up, right? So I'm like, because sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, look. oh no, that's not Trevor. So I haven't seen a ton, but you might be able to send me some that are good, but there's a, most of the time it's, it's other makers that have done a one or two off laser video. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, you yeah. buy a machine, you use it once, you think you're an expert. Yeah. And then they try to teach other people how to do it. Yeah. Those are usually the videos I see. That get 50,000 views. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so that, okay. So that one, I'm, I feel like I have the right to be discouraged about the fact that somebody with no laser experience buys one off eBay, does a video doing something stupid with it. They, they should never do frying bacon. And get a shit ton of video or yeah. views. Yeah. And and the comments for the video are ninety five percent positive, like it's a good idea. Right. It's like no, that's a horrendous idea. <laughs> don't ever do that. But and people don't do the due diligence. Like somebody, somebody was trying to cut PVC on a laser. I was like, no, never do that. Oh, right. Yeah. But they don't do the research first, and that's that's part of why. Like, YouTube is great for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. YouTube is just as dangerous as it is great. Right. Because it can teach you a lot of things that you should never do. Right. So, for future reference, don't cut PVC on a laser because it's hazardous to your health. Yep. It's a little bit of gas issue that's going on there. Yes. And if you do, it's you've got to have, mm -hmm. like, an industrial-level extraction like fume system yeah. that gets rid of the gas. Yeah. You can't just vent it out your door. <laughs> oh, just open the garage door. You're good. Oh, gosh. 
I've seen some dumb things. Mm-hmm. Or the people that um, they start their laser and then they go eat dinner and then they come back to a fireball. Right. And then they wonder what happened. Right. It's like, well, you know if you were monitoring it like you're supposed to. Yeah. Like me, when I shot a hole through my GoPro. <laughs> because I didn't realize that it was that close to where the laser head was going to end up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that beam hit the uh, GoPro and a little flame started, I lifted the lid up and it shut it off. Right. Like, if I wasn't out there, I would have had a fireball. Yeah. And that was purely my own fault with where I put the camera. Yeah. The GoPro still works, though. (laughs) I I showed you the hole, didn't I? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It looks a lot worse when it's, like, in the case. Yeah. But if you take it out of the case, it just looks like a tiny pinhole. Yeah. And you had that on your... You put that on your Instagram, right? Or... Yeah. Story, I think. Yeah, I remember seeing it. We all make mistakes. Oh, yeah. I feel like not sharing your mistakes is almost like a disservice. <laughs> well, no one sees any of my stuff, so it's all good. I can make mistakes all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't post all that often. That's the way you like to keep it, isn't it? Oh, I just it's just not in the forefront of my brain. It's like, oh, I'm doing this. Let me post it. Well, a lot of the times... I don't think it's good enough to put out there. And even the stuff I do put out there, I didn't really want to do, but I had to do it because I felt like I hadn't done it in a while. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, But what are you uh, lacking focus on right now? Uh, yeah, exactly. Everything? It's about everything. <laughs> no, because... Um, because you've been working on that mirror design for... But have I? Well, okay. <laughs> it has been there for a while. It has been there for a while, but uh, I wouldn't say I've exclusively been working on it. I've so been... That's, you've been lacking focus, too. Uh-huh. Well, right, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, also I get bored, right? So you get bored with a project. I can see that. And, uh, and you try something else. But at least with that, so when I do... Uh, pivot off and go to something else uh, it's it's something that i'm learning new usually like i'll get an idea it's like oh well, let me see how i can do this and, and so there's learning involved and sometimes those skills carry over to things uh, that actually get finished right yeah um so I, I don't think any of it's a waste of time at least for me um but yeah so this mirror um yeah it's out it's taking more time than I thought, although I thought it was going to take some time. You've gotten further than I would in the amount of time you have, though. Oh, right. Well, I also spend a lot of time on it. So, I mean... That's true. Yeah, so... And it's also something I haven't really done before, either. So, the whole, you know, designing for a laser system, um, making these assembly drawings from scratch... You know, uh, it's something I've done at work before, but nothing on my own accord. But something that I haven't, I don't have a physical um, 
representation, right? I don't have the model. I don't have the parts. I don't have anything. So it's all done off the computer. So I'm building everything in, in, a, in the computer system, 3D, assembling it, and then trying to extract that out and putting it onto a, a 2D plane, mm -hmm. basically, right? So, uh, yeah, so sometimes I don't know where to go. And that's also a thing. If I don't know where to go to the next step, then my mind wanders over to this other avenue. It's like, oh, I'll come back to that later, maybe. So. If you were using Fusion, I could tell you. But I uh, don't know how Blender works with Yeah, it's not... Layout. I don't think it's the technical issues. Um, I think it's... Uh, at least right now, it's the assembly part, right? It's like, I'm doing the okay, assembly, yeah. like the, um, the actual... Um, procedure for it it's like okay well i have a bunch of bubbles that point to stuff but is that enough information to to convey an idea so then i'm like i don't know and then i just start wandering off to the next you know next thing and then i'll come back around to it i don't know makes sense yeah, nothing makes sense well it makes sense to me because <laughs> i have same similar issues <laughs> But if it was like, um, it's like, oh, you need to get this done within the next two weeks, then, like I said, I'd be hyper-focused on it. So do your deadlines have to come from somebody else, or can you self-impose when it's time I to cannot self-impose. Uh, rarely has that worked for me. That's why I like doing these challenges. Um, you know, with the, uh, the guys the on... Bentwood challenge? Yeah, so, I mean, if there's a challenge and there's a deadline for it, uh, way more focused on that than I am something that I impose myself. I got you. Yeah. And it's, I think also because I'm not, the main reason is because it's not monetarily driven, right? So I don't have to yeah. finish this project to, to for the money. Um, it would be different if that's the, the goal of it, I guess. If the goal of it was to absolutely, this is my livelihood, then yeah, I think a lot of people are really focused on that because they have to be, right? Um, yeah. But if it's just something in the background, a hobby or a side hustle that you know just gives you some play money, uh, I think it's at least for me hard to really dive into it. Makes sense. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> See now, if you quit your job and you just did that full time. Then you'd be super focused. I would, but I'd be super stressed out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if if my house was paid off, I would consider it. Yeah. The, the, at the point of where I'm at now, and being honest with myself, I cannot make enough a month to pay for our standard of living that we have right. now. Yeah. And on top of that, I'm paying off my machine. Oh, yeah. And I, right now, I barely make that. Yeah. And it's because I suck at focusing on <laughs> <laughs> selling products um, to make the payment. Right. And that's that's part of it, right? It's I'm terrible at marketing and sales and getting it out there. I can make it right after it's made. I, I kind of lose interest, right? It's like, I need to sell it, but I, 
I don't find that side intriguing or interesting. Yeah. And I I don't really understand it. Like, yeah, you know, I can set it up on a website. I can point people to it. I can, I know how to sell it mm-hmm. as far as the mechanics and the technical stuff. I know how to put it on a website. I know how to have, be able to get people to check it out and how to, you know, apply the shipping or taxes or whatever. That part mm-hmm. is set up. It's the, you know, the email marketing and the sales or... I haven't done paid ads before, so I don't even know how that works. Uh, you give them a bunch of money and four people see it. No, you give them a bunch of money, a hundred people see it, oh. and one person actually wants to look at it, and then nobody buys it. Correct, yeah. So I I actually signed up to take a class by somebody I met at WorkbenchCon two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Her name's Kim Anderson. She does more. She has more like classes and coaching on that stuff, like email marketing and click funnels and tripwire right. marketing and all that stuff. So I, which I debated, you know, do I take it or not? And the thought was, well, if I take it, uh, I'm supporting somebody else that's a small business. I'm investing in myself, hopefully. Like, hopefully it's going to be worth the money. that It was like $200 for a 12-week semi-guided course. So you get access to all these materials. And then there's a couple live calls throughout those 12 weeks. But it's right. to help you take a product from the idea and brainstorming it and creating it and then from there setting it up to sell it with the click funnels and the email marketing and everything else. Right. And I think part of it's just not knowing the tools on the back end of that. So like I know an email list tool, but I'm I'm not good at writing emails that get people's attention that click funnel through and you know, right. people sign up for your email list and then it automatically sends them emails yeah. without you doing anything. I don't know oh, how yeah. to do that. Yeah, which classes on that? So, but so that's what this class is all about: is learning that kind of stuff to hopefully push push me into being able to try and sell things I actually design. Right. And doing that, the one of the steps was brainstorm all the product ideas you have right now and dump them onto a page of paper. So I did that, which I showed you that, and mm-hmm. I had. You know, I had more ideas than what I was thinking about because I had spent like two or three days. And once I wrote down the first set, I kind of like brain dumped them. Right. And flushed them away. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like five more came up that I hadn't even thought about. (laughs) So that was that was useful. And they're all written down. But it's things like that. It's. Just the fact that I, I'm terrible at focusing in the first place, right, on anything other than like making a project. Like I can make it, I can focus on making it. When it comes to selling it and everything else, I'm horrendous. Well, yeah, because it's easy to focus on the stuff you already know. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, the, the stuff you know and the stuff you like. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because as much as I want to make this a sustainable, small business that can do well, mm-hmm. reality is selling and marketing is not my strong point. Right. And that's where I need help. Yeah. But I also don't want to get sucked into one of those like marketing uh, companies that tell you everything they're going to do and they make you pay them and then they don't really do anything right to help you yeah so you kind of have to learn how to do it yourself to understand how the functionality works so that if you do get help you have a better idea of what you actually need from the person helping you right so we'll see how it goes my thought was when i paid to take the course and learn was I have wasted $200 on a lot less and a lot worse. <laughs> so I'm a very financially driven decision maker. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to just be like, Oh yeah, that's no big deal. Right. Even when it's like 20 bucks, I'm like, uh, do I really need it? <laughs> As long as you get something back out of it, I mean, well, that's, that's the, thing. the whole I point. Have to, I have to see the, I have to see what I'm going to get out of it for it to make sense to me. Yeah, but I know a lot of people that don't need to. They would just be like, "Oh, it's only twenty bucks." Right. I'm like, yeah, but what are you getting for the twenty bucks? Right. Like two, you know, two different financial mindsets. Yep. But anyway. Today I'm going to, or this whole weekend, I'm trying to focus on the one project and try to make progress and see how it goes. Right. Last night I feel I did really well because that's all I did was work on that project and cutting it and everything else. So after the podcast, it's go out there and start sanding all the parts and start assembling it. Oh, the fun stuff. It can be fun and it can be like daunting. Yeah. Like the small box shouldn't be that bad. It's a base, a lid, and some hinges. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be that bad. Mm-hmm. The bigger box is, you know, 13 by, I forget how tall it is, but it's 13 inches long and it's like 9 or 10 inches deep. And it's got, a drawer and a lid and hinges and a locking mechanism and everything else. And it's, it's something that you can, you can assemble it in like an hour, but you want to make sure that the parts you assembled early on are set enough that you can work with them before you start adding in the locking mechanism. Cause you don't want things to shift. Right. So it, it, there's a level of patience you have to have. Where like, okay, I got to go inside and let it dry for two hours. Right. To set up or whatever. Yeah. I forget. I have to look at the wood glue. It's whatever the <laughs> the setup time is on the wood glue. Mm-hmm. I wait at least that long for it to quote unquote set to be handled. Right. Yeah. Uh, but CA glue helps mm-hmm. with it too. So I use spots of CA glue in places. But uh, But the other thing you mentioned earlier is... Making sure you don't get any glue on things that are 
are supposed to move. Yeah. You don't get glue on those and end up gluing them down. Oh, I glue everything. Everything, be, it just would be one big mass. Yeah, well, this is the first project I've had with those movable hinges. Yeah. And that was... Like, it was difficult to design. It's just as difficult the first time to assemble. Yep. Because even though you designed it and you know exactly what's supposed to happen, doesn't mean that real life works that way. Oh, yeah. It usually doesn't. Oh, put a little bit of glue, and then you get the glue, and then, like, way more comes out than you expected. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, crap. So there were a few times where I had to wipe the glue off, resand the piece, mm-hmm. do it again. Yep. And it's it's going to be a day of that. But with a small kit and a larger kit. Yeah. And then I'm supposed to send one of each kit to... Uh, there's like an artist that does like digital um, art designs. And... I asked them if they could customize one so it actually looks like somebody that's good at artwork customized it <laughs> and not me. So the I got to test these kits before I can ship kits to them. Right. Because I need to make sure it works. Are they painting it or Yeah. Or yeah, they're going to paint it. Cool. Theoretically just the exterior, but I mean I just said, I want you to customize it and make it look good. And I don't care if they do the inside, too. Right, yeah. I Painting it's not easy, though, because it's MDF. Mm-hmm. So it soaks up paint. So right. you got to prime it pretty well. Oh, yeah. But we'll see what they end up doing. But they have to assemble it first. Yes. Painting it before assembly is a big no-no on this one. <laughs> Because things will not fit the way you expect afterwards. Correct. So that's going to be one thing that if you're if you're selling a kit, you have to be very clear in your instructions because people mm-hmm. will find every way not to follow the instructions. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, there, you know, it's the it's the maker in all of us. You, you know, like the jokes that are always flying around the internet. Like you buy Ikea furniture. Oh, I don't need the instructions and you throw them behind you. Yeah. Um, but there are people that do need those step-by-step instructions or they will not be able to assemble it, though. I mean, oh, you, so you but, have two different agree. extremes, right? And most of the time, I can assemble Ikea furniture and not need the instructions. Because right. it's fairly, from a logical standpoint of how things go together... Mm-hmm. Ikea furniture is fairly logical. Right. Now, if you're missing parts, that's a whole different thing. But when it comes to something like this, where it's there is a very specific order of operations, especially on the locking mechanism. Mm-hmm. And if you try to assemble the whole lock and then put it into it, not going to work. You've, right. You've already trashed it. Because you have to assemble half of the lock, slide it through the panel, and then attach the other half of the lock on the back side. Right. To keep it from coming out. Right. So if people don't follow those instructions, it's not going to work. Yeah. So that's one thing where when you're writing your instructions, you have to be super clear with them. 
and make sure that you write all the steps, which I need to do still. <laughs> like, I just have assembly drawings, but yeah. you have to be super clear. You have to say, step by step, this is what you do. Because if they come back at you later and say, this happened, your kit's a piece of trash, I want my money back. And then you say, did you follow the instructions where I said, do this, 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 this? And then they go, well, I didn't see that. Well, that's not my problem. Right. Like, I'm not returning, I'm not taking a return because you failed to follow the instructions that were included in the kit. Yeah. So you have to guard yourself to some extent with this stuff. Which is insane. (laughs) But it's, like, if I messed up, I would just be like, oh, yeah, whoops, that was my bad. Right. But some people are, like, adamant that they're never at fault. Correct. And that becomes an interesting dilemma to deal with. Yeah. That's another side to it. Customer interaction and sales. Oh, yeah. Not like my I favorite worked part. In, I worked in retail as a teenager, but there's a... And don't get me wrong, like, in-person retail and dealing with customers that are rude is definitely worse. <laughs> But if you're running a side business and people are trying to screw you personally out of your money, that it's a different way mm-hmm. of dealing with customer complaints and issues. Right. But it's, I don't know, when you're a teenager getting yelled at by a Karen, <laughs> that it's very disheartening and discouraging. But when you're, a, you know, an adult, running a side business Mm -hmm. you definitely have to be more aware of how you respond to things too right because everything is taken out of context right especially on the internet so if you if you comment back to somebody and you're you are factual and to the point and you don't let emotion play into it you're better off if you're one of those people that responds back and says some things you probably shouldn't have said, but maybe warranted, people will screenshot out the part they want to take out of that. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, like nine, 99% of the people I deal with in the YouTube comments are great. Oh, yeah. And I'm more than happy to help followers with things and subscribers and everything else. I just ask that you be courteous and understanding. Uh, Yeah, that's a lot to ask for sometimes for some people. Some people. And there, I mean, usually when there's somebody that is maybe not as courteous to you as you would like. Mm-hmm. They usually keep coming back and being just as discourteous. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bully mentality, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's definitely true. Like, people hide behind keyboards and everything else. Yep. But, you know, you gotta... You gotta find the silver lining. Like, I have a lot of people that love the videos I do and 
they may there's a few that only bought a laser because they were watching stuff that I make. Yeah. I never thought that would ever happen. Yeah. So it's nice. And then but you got to be careful. You know, how you respond to things or CYA. Right. Exactly. But with that in mind, ready for the after show? No. Well, too bad. Okay. We're doing it anyway. All right. That's great. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, head to www.makervisionpodcast.com where you can purchase merchandise or donate. You'll also be able to join the email list to stay up to date with the podcast. Find us on Instagram at Maker Vision Podcast or join the Facebook group Maker Vision Tribe.